This message was recorded live at Plantation Seventh-day Adventist Church in Plantation, Florida. Welcome to PlantationSDA.tv. Here you will find a diverse variety of Bible-based topics and conversations. God's master plan to inspire your mind, bring peace to your heart, and uplift your soul. May you be blessed and encouraged as you listen to God's Word. Happy Sabbath, church! Uh, on Psalms, in Psalms 127, verse 3, the Word of God tells us that children are heritage from the Lord. Offspring are a reward from Him. And that is evident here this morning. The next speaker is going to be my son, Caleb Simons. He's nine years old. He's a fourth grader at Chapel Trail Elementary School. When Caleb grows up, he wants to be a farmer, he wants to be a marine biologist, and he wants to be a family therapist, among other things. In his spare time, which he has plenty, I would say, uh, he likes to uh, play in the backyard, and in fact, one of his favorite activities is to plant fruits in the vegetable garden, and he has actually harvested some cucumbers, among other fruits. He also enjoys uh, creating flip books, uh, writing stories, and in fact, along those lines, one of the other things that he wants to do when he grows up is that he wants to write books that specifically talk about good morals and God. Amen, amen, yes. Now, those sound like very nice things, and they are. But my favorite quality of Caleb is the fact that he loves Jesus. Amen. Trudy, his mom, and I, along with his big sister, Brielle, are delighted to introduce to you Caleb Manuel Enrique Simons. Come up, son. church or should I say afternoon good afternoon church you are not here by chance you are here because God brought you here God is in control of your life our scripture reading is taken from Psalms 139 verses 13 and 14 New International Version for you were created in my inmost being you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Eat. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Since I'm a little kid, here's my understanding of these verses. I am fearfully and wonderfully made by God. I will praise him. He's in control of my life. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for continuing to help us. Please bless that all these people here will learn how you're in control of everything, no matter what challenges we face in your name. Amen. My mom said when I was born, I was a week late. But I said I was born on time because God decided when I'd be born. 
So, in 2013, May 27th, I, God decided to be born. And so I was born. God's timing is perfect. He was in control of my life then. He's in control of my life now. I, I'm standing here at this very moment because God's in control. Today I'm going to talk about four examples where we see that God's in control. The first example comes from Joshua chapter 6. So the Israelites had a 40 year timeout. Why? Because they didn't have faith in God. They didn't trust that God would help them get the promised land. The people there were bigger. And so God sentenced them to a 40 year timeout. And by that time, their leader Moses had died. So God had Moses, before he died, pick someone to lead them. Joshua was the one he picked. Joshua was very special. He would do some very amazing things with God. And so Joshua sent some spies into the land to search around. And so they searched, and then the king heard about this. He was very unhappy. He wanted the spies delivered to him. And so he sent words to his guards to capture the spies and bring them to him. The spies heard about this and they had to run and hide. And so they met a woman named Rahab who let them, who let them into her house until the coast was clear. They thanked Rahab and promised to help her and promised to, when they attacked, that her and her family would be spared. And so the spies left and went to camp. There, they told Joshua everything. They told him about of Rahab. They told him about the guards, about everything. And so Joshua thought that surely this battle would be won by the Israelites. Surely. But how would they take down the city? So Joshua walked out of camp for a while. Then he saw a large man in armor. He didn't know if this guy was on his side or his enemies, but he'd be ready to fight. So he asked, are you on our side or our enemies? The commander said, neither, for I am the commander of the army of the Lord, he said. Then Joshua knew that this guy was someone special. The commander said, take off your Sandals for you stepping on holy ground. Joshua obeyed. Then the commander told him what to do. And Joshua told the Israelites what to do. And it may have sounded silly, but they obeyed. So Joshua and Israelites marched 
Day one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. On the seventh day, they marched seven times around the city, and on the seventh time, all the people were to shout. And then, brick by brick, crack by crack, wall by wall, the walls went crashing down, and Jericho was theirs. Joshua trusted in God because he knew that God was in control. When we believe that God's in control, God will help us. Joshua and the Israelites were obedient to God. They did exactly what God said to do. It sounded strange marching around a city seven days in a row, but they believed. Joshua didn't see those walls falling down, but he had faith. He trusted in the Lord. Church, God will not work if we're disobedient. Joshua had faith in God. Church, God will not work in your life without faith. God is in control of your life. Joshua had faith in God no matter what, no matter how strange these stuff sound like, no matter how strange and impossible things are, God's in control. The second example of God being in control comes from 1 Samuel chapter 17, the story of David and Goliath. Now, most of you are familiar, but for those that you're not familiar, in Bethlehem, a long time ago, there was a boy named David. David, David was a shepherd. He lived with his father and brothers. Israel, the country he lived in, had a king, but this king was not doing so well. King Saul was not was listening to his own heart. He wasn't listening to God at all. He was being disobedient. And so Samuel, the prophet, was sent to find a man who would listen to God's heart instead of their own. So he went to the household of Jesse and Jesse had these big and strong and impressive boys, but God told Samuel, look at their hearts. And so Samuel asked Jesse if he had any more sons. There was one more, the youngest, David. You may not expect this, but Samuel anointed David to be the king of Israel. And after that anointing, David would go on to do amazing things throughout his life. He would indeed. And so, David's brothers went off the battle, the Philistines. They were big, mean, and back. And this time, they were back with this big, strong giant named Goliath. Goliath was mean to the Israelites, taunting them. Who will fight me, he said. Who will fight me? No one would fight him. No one would even get close to him. Everyone was afraid. You are chickens, Goliath Myers said. Everyone ran away. No one 
wouldn't even get an inch near him. Everyone was afraid. No one had faith. And so, after a while, Jesse started to get concerned about his sons. So he sent David with some food. So then, David saw the big giant mocking them. David saw how afraid his brothers were and how afraid the army was. And he was not pleased at all. If, 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 there was, if, no, if no one was gonna fight him, well, he might as well do something about this. So David marched to King Saul and asked for permission to fight the giant. For a moment or two, King Saul might have looked at the boy and may have been like, uh, really? Uh, you're joking, probably my thought. But then he might have saw David looking all serious and then he might have said, you're too small. You're, he's 10 feet tall. You're too small. But David replied, God will be with me. God will protect me. And so, King Saul gave David his armor, but the armor was too big on David. So David took off the armor and said, God will protect me. King Saul agreed. He said, God bless you and let the Lord be with you. And so David got some smooth stones from a stream and put it in the sling. Then he saw the big giant Goliath waiting on the battlefield. Ha, 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 he laughed. You come, you come to me with sticks? Do you think I'm a dog? But then David said, I come to you in the name of the mighty Lord of Israel. David put a rock in its sling, and Goliath charged at him. Then he moved it around, and it, the rock threw through the air, and then hit Goliath straight in the head. Then he fell down dead. The Israelites looked at the Philistines as the Philistines ran away from the Israelites. David trusted in God. He knew he couldn't kill Goliath with his own strength. He knew he needed Jesus. Church, David remembered how God was with him in the past. If we don't trust in God, we won't be able to do stuff like how David did. David was not afraid of Goliath. He knew someone who fought battles for him in the past. Church, whenever, I know you have Goliaths in your life. If it's your boss always on your case, or, 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 is, your, or is it that kid at school is bullying you, or is it that neighbor who keeps playing loud music while you're trying to sleep? <laughs> Whatever it is, God can, can, is able to get rid of those giants. I don't want you to leave today without saying, giant, you were defeated. 
I have a God who's in control of my life. The third example of God being in control is about a little boy named Emmanuel. Now, there's one thing you need to know about Emmanuel, and it's his name. Emmanuel, the name Emmanuel means God's with us. And later in his life, his name would reflect how God used him. So Emmanuel was born. A head popped out, two arms popped out, but only one leg popped out. His father looked at him and he wasn't pleased, knowing that his boy only had one leg. And so he left immediately after he saw his son's disability. So Emmanuel spent most of his young childhood having his mother carry him to school every day. Eventually, he got so heavy that she couldn't carry him anymore. So she had him walk or hop to school on one leg. At recess, Emmanuel saw the kids plague, and he might have thought to himself, am I special? Though he knew he was. Yes. And later in his life, God would really, that would really show him how he's special. So Emmanuel made some friends like kids do, and his friends knew how to ride a bike. So Emmanuel probably thought, hmm, maybe I can ride a bike. So he tried and he fell first times. But after a while and a lot of practicing, he got used to it. He rode a bike with one leg. And if he could do that by ride a bike with one leg, he was special. He was surely special. And, and so he knew God was surely in control of his life. Surely he was not a mistake. Surely he was not a curse. And so, years later, his mother got very, very sick. She couldn't sell vegetables. And so, Emmanuel was very sad. His brother and sister were too small to sell vegetables and too young. And so, Emmanuel boarded a train to a nearby city where he got a job there, shining shoes and selling food. After a while, his boss scolded him for something. And Emmanuel said that this wasn't for him. He said that this was because his family wasn't doing too well. So Emmanuel went back home to his very weak mother, who was very, very, very weak. And so, on that cold night, she said, never give up. God is in control of your life. Take care of your family. Have perseverance, and God will work through you. And sadly, the next morning, she died. Amanda was very, very, very sad, but that's not how it ends. No, no, no. Emmanuel knew that his mother was right. Her words were true. So he went to the leaders of the land and asked, asked for a family blessing if he did this one thing. 
So Emmanuel had to ride his bike across the whole country. And so he rode his bike. He rode and rode and rode and rode city by city. People were interviewing him. And, and dis people with disabilities came outside their homes, maybe for the first time. And then they saw Emmanuel with one leg riding across the city. He rode 400 miles in 10 days. 10 days. He knew he was special. Many people were outside. Many people were happy. Many people saw how God was in control of even a little boy with disability. Rode 400 miles. He rode 400 miles. That's like, like, that's like driving from here to Tallahassee. That is a long way. And plus, this is a true story. No, yes, it is a true story. It really did happen. And church, God was in control of a boy who had so much challenges in his life. Church and those who are watching online, you may have many challenges in your life. But remember, God is in control. It could be that you have disability, but God loves you. It could be that you have strength, but God still loves you. God is in control of your life. This fourth and last example is something that happened recently. My cat Whiskers slipped out of the house. And we looked everywhere. We looked everywhere. And I was very, very, very sad. We prayed to God that Whiskers would come home. We prayed and hoped. And so, you know what happened the next morning? You know what happened the next morning? You know what happened? Whiskers came back home. God was in control of even a cat. He is in control. If he's in control of all these things, then why should I doubt? God is in control of everything. He was in control of me. He's still in control of me. He was in control of Joshua, David, Emmanuel, he's in control of all of you. So I don't want you to leave this church today without saying or telling yourself that God is in control of my life. Why should I worry? And sometimes I worry, but sometimes I just think, wait, why should I worry if God's in control of my life? Right by show of hands, I want to see if you want to dedicate your life to Jesus. See, I see a lot of hands. Surely, surely, if you believe that God's in control of your life, not, nothing is impossible with God. Let, let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for all the people here. We thank you and glorify you for giving us this life and chance to be alive. In your name, amen.
Good afternoon, church. I am honored and privileged to introduce the second preacher of the day, my son, Denzel Dulce. Denzel was born on April 13, 2010. He is in the seventh grade and is very bright. Denzel is part of the Pathfinder Club, the Audiovisual Ministry, and the Children's Choir at Plantation. Denzel is an honor roll student and part of the National Honor Society. He participates in chess, volleyball, soccer, track, and the Christian club in school. Denzel is fearless, adventurous, and loves to try new things. He is determined to always give his very best in everything that he does, even if it doesn't work out. He doesn't get discouraged, and he does his best in everything. His favorite thing to do is to hang out with family, swimming, and playing video games. Denzel's favorite psalm is Psalm 23. When Denzel grows up, he wants to be a surgeon, and he prays that he's a representation of God in all that he does. We are very proud of him, and welcome Denzel. Hello? Okay. Good morning. I meant good afternoon, church. <laughs> My name is Denzel Dulce. I'm 12 years old. I'm in seventh grade. I'm the oldest of six, and I'm the leader of the Dulce crew. <laughs> um, I didn't mention this before, but I have two aunties and my mom who are married to D Harmony. I won't, I won't reveal their, I won't reveal their names. Claude, Edzard, Denzel, Richard. <coughs> Sorry. You know, it's pretty hard having six, it's pretty hard having six siblings. Two of them are babies, hard. A sister, hard. Nathan, hard. And when you have a sixth grader's cousin that walks around with you everywhere at school going, Denzel, look at this. Denzel, look at that. Denzel, look over there. Denzel, want to eat lunch together? Denzel, Denzel, Denzel. Her name's Nayeli. <laughs> but let's get started with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, oh, that was too close. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for protecting your children throughout the week. Thank you for allowing us to be in your presence today. Thank you for allowing me to come speak about you and to spread the word about you to other people. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I'm honored that the children's department allowed me to come speak today. When I first heard that I was preaching, I, I, I got pretty hesitant. I got cold feet. But I decided to do it because my mom said, you got this, and that... We're all family here. It's not like I had a choice or anything, but the topic of today's sermon is God's love for us. Our scripture today is found in chapter 139, verse 13 to 14 in Psalms. I'll be using the New International Version. You can open your Bibles or you can follow on the screen. 
The verse says, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Remember that part. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Now, let's backtrack in time to around Adam and Eve. I'm pretty sure if I was on the, the first person on this place called Earth, I'd be amazed by everything I see, like the universe, the clouds, the blue sky, the ocean, elephants, zebras, turtles, wolves, cheetahs, cats, dogs. I'm pretty sure you get my point. God just created. I would be so amazed and fascinated, wouldn't you? Especially when you look at yourself. This is an indication that this is an indication that we're unique, that we're special. Wouldn't you think that that's great about you? That, you, but personally, I would feel special. I brought this up because I believe that Adam brought that Adam thought he was special too, and he passed it down from generation to generation to generation to generation, and here we are now. My parents have always told me and my sister and all my other siblings that we are special because we're God's children. There are certain places, certain foods, certain clothing, certain people, certain companies we can't have for Christians. We are of the world but cannot be like the world. Anybody in middle school would know this. It's pretty easy to get caught up in the trends of TikTok, Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, and want to be like the cool kids. But it's, it's important to remember that God specially designed me to become a leader and not a follower. That God had a plan for me when, he, when I was in my mother's womb. And that I, was created to come, that I was created to come spread the word about to other people so then they could talk about God's love for them too. Now, let's take a moment to go a little into the future, around David's time. Let's go to 1 Samuel verse 17, 30 to, I'm at 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 31 to 37, New International Version. It says, what David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul said for him. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of the Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you are not able to go out against the Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. Here we see that everybody on the field probably thinks he's going to get stomped on. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and killed it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. If it tried to turn on me, I seized it by the hair, struck it, and killed it. Your friend has killed both lion, the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of a lion and the paw of a bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. I'm sure he did not feel special after he wasn't allowed to go fight in the battle that he killed the giant in because he was small and a shepherd, and probably too young. But I'm pretty sure that God gave him the courage to go ahead and at least try to take on Goliath. So some people or children out there may not know some, a single word I just said, so I'll do it simpler. My right, your left, will be King Saul, and I meant 
David, and my right, I meant left, your right, will be King Saul. So, can I um, go fight the giant? You know, the, the giant, the big one? <laughs> oh, oh, wait, you're serious. No. Do you have a death wish? No, you can't. You're too small. He, he, you're too small. You're like 3'3". Three, three. He's 10 foot. He's taller than an NBA player. He's just going to tackle you and you're done. Please. Please, I beg. I can beat him. I know that for sure. I've beaten lions and bears that tried to take my sheep, and then I killed it. I'm pretty sure I could beat this kind of taller person. Hmm. Well, let's look here. No one else signed up for the job. The staff is quitting. Um, I guess. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Um, the Lord be with you, by the way. Okay, thank you. And then, I'm pretty sure we all know what happens next. David goes to the river, gets some stones, smooths it out, then goes fight the giant. The giant tries to hit him, and then David becomes a pro pitcher, like it's baseball or something. Right in the forehead. They say that you don't feel sense until it slaps you right in the face. And I'm pretty sure they literally meant it in this story. Just like in the story, David says he protects his sheep. Right now, we are, sheep, we are the sheep and God is the shepherd. He's protecting us from all evil. There's a lot of things going on in the world right now. COVID, monkeypox, a hurricane just came by. It's very easy to get kind of scared when you're going out the door, hoping that you come home. But all we, all we gotta do is just pray. God left the 99 to go get that one sheep, like a good shepherd, unlike a bad shepherd who would think, <laughs> one sheep? That's funny. That's only one sheep, I have 99 more. They're all the same color, all the same type of sheep, so I, I don't care. True. God loves all his children and wants to save us all because we're all special in God's eyes. You may ask, but Denzel, how does this apply to us? Well, the devil wants to convince us that we are not special in any way. He wants to take us over physically and mentally. One way he can take us over is finding our insecurities. Insecurity in simplest form is a lack of confidence. Some of your insecurities can be your looks, if you're smart or not, if you have the latest electronics, if you have a lot of followers on TikTok, Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, and the list goes on. You get my point. The devil doesn't want us to be great. He wants us to doubt God's love for us. But I'm sure we all know that we're special in some way. 
I mean, I didn't think I was special. If you met me for the first time, if you were a child and you met me for the first time, you'd think I'm weird. You'd think that I'm energetic. You'd think that I'm like a college student. Energetic? Weird? Not cool? And runs on caffeine. <laughs> Even if we do something wrong or make poor decisions, God is there with us and is ready to wrap his loving arms around us. When no, God still loves us even in our darkest hour. When no one is there, God is there with us. When we're going through hard times, God is there with us. When, when we need someone or at least just a friend, God is there with us ready to be our friend. If we need someone to talk to when our parents don't listen to us, if they don't understand what we're going through, God is there with you. Even through the darkest times, God is there with you. I pray that God, love, God wraps his love all around you guys and that your life reflects God's love. That your life and your life and your life and your life and your life, all of your lives reflect God's love for us. Let me just say that one more time. I hope that God's love wraps all around you. That your life and your life and your life and your life reflects God's love to others. Amen. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. To see you high and lifted up Shining in your light of your glory Pour out your power and love As we sing holy, holy, holy You high and lifted up Shining in your light of your glory Pour out your power and love as we sing holy, holy, holy. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to thee, my Blessed Savior, I surrender all. Yeah. Holy, 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 I want to see you. Holy, 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 
to see you. I want to see you. I want to see you. Can we just get one more round of applause just for that? <sighs> Raise your hand if you were blessed by this today. I don't see a lot of people. I mean, come on, guys. An a nine-year-old boy just preached. He preached. He memorized the whole sermon. He's been working so hard on it. He memorized the whole thing, and you just seen him preach. Come on. If you would want to come up and pray with me, go ahead and be my guest. Okay. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day you have given us. Thank you for blessing us throughout the week. Thank you for guiding us here today. Thank you for the children's ministry, helping us all through that, giving us encouragement, and helping us practice for like a whole month. Thank you for blessing us. Please make sure that when the people get home, they know that they were blessed by God's children. Please guide us, protect us, and forgive us for all our sins. In Jesus' name I pray. This podcast was brought to you by Plantation Seven-day Adventist Church, a Christ-centered congregation dedicated to spreading the good news of God's love through sermons, deeper dive conversations, and much more. If you would like to listen to more life lessons and inspirational content, please visit us at plantationsda.tv.